The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This morning we're going to be in Psalm chapter 68. Psalm chapter 68, as we continue uh, studying through the Psalms and we continue to look again at a Psalm of David. Not every one of the Psalms was written by David, the majority of them were. Uh, This one specifically is. And so we're gonna look at something that I think, again, one of the things I've stated that I love about studying the book of Psalms is it gives us a unique view of God. And when I say that, I just say a real view of God. We hear it from a man by the name of David. David was not a perfect man. David was actually, in many occasions, probably as known, known as well for his failures as he was his successes. While he's known as one of the greatest kings of Israel, he had a lot of, prop, lot of mistakes. But yet, what made him, what, made, what I believe gave him the title of man after God's own heart was not his lack of mistakes or his perfection. I believe it was his responsibility and his willingness to get things right, his, his true, honest relationship with Jesus. And so when I look at this, I see what often David just describes, sometimes flat out what we're thinking, and sometimes maybe is it okay to say these things or think these things when David does. And it helps us, and God put it in the Word of God for us and helps us to encourage. So we're gonna look at a couple aspects, three different things. We're gonna look at really the power of God, we're gonna look at our worship to God, and then we're gonna look at the personal nature of God this morning in the first few verses of Psalm 68. So let's begin in verse one. It says, let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee before him. Verse two, as smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melteth before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. So we talk about the power of God and we see the power of God in, in, in reference to his enemies. Now he's not, I'm not necessarily talking about our enemies, but yet it would be. If we're, you know, I'm, if somebody who's upset you or something today, this is not a prayer to say that person was offensive to me or looked at me weird and I need to deal with it. You know, God's told us to love our neighbors, love our enemies. So we've got to be careful on that one. But there are some who absolutely hate God, hate Jesus, hate what's going on. And therefore their hatred is turned towards his children, towards his family, towards his church in this day and age. And so there are going to be some who are just fighting. And I believe it's happening to Today. And I, I'm not going to run into great persecution. I believe we are headed that way. I believe that we are seeing um, some things in our country that I probably were wondering would come, and it's come quicker, and, and uh, it's, it's a tad bit surprising, but not necessarily as we do come to what many of us believe is the end times. So it's not surprising, but yet, so what happens is we can look at these things and we can become discouraged. You know, I, I, I'm praying about this. The Bible teaches us that greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. And sometimes we get that impression because of that, that means everything else should be easy and Satan should be powerless. And we forget that he is powerful. In fact, God calls him the prince and the power of the air. This is his dominion. Yes, now God's in control and Satan can only do really what God allows, but he's given him an awful lot of freedom. And, he, and, and as we get closer to the time Jesus is coming back, it gets worse. And so there are people who absolutely hate God, hate Jesus, hate what's going on. And, and yes, to the church, we would call them enemies. And God's told us to love them. And so at some occasions, we have to do what we can to respect them. But we can do that because we know that when it's all said and done, God wins. And I'm not just talking about the end of the book. You know, we all go to Revelation, God won, and it's true. I'm talking, God, David said in the Old Testament, God, this is what I want you to do to your enemies. And so we can say that, that yes, God has enemies, which means in turn, we're going to have some, but but we, we are 
We should not be overwhelmed with it or consumed or even really con controlled by it at all because God's in control and his enemies cannot do anything more than what he gives them permission to do. Um, so that's one of the things we find strength in that. And, and it goes down to our circumstances, our situations, our battles. God is more powerful than all of that. And we can find rest, we can find strength and comfort in all of that. And, and when we look at the next couple of aspects, and I've said this many times over the last several weeks, and I think it's so true. When we talk about his worship, worshiping him in his personal nature, it, it becomes more real, becomes more valid when we understand how powerful he is. We worship him because of his power, worship him because of his personal nature. But if you don't really have a full understanding of the great power of God, and how awesome he is, and that he is more powerful than our circumstances, our fears. He loves us more than we could ever imagine. We put all that together. This is not some superior being in the sky that we don't really know, that we're praying to, hoping he'll recognize us. This is someone who knows. He says he knows the amount of hairs on our head. He's the number of the hairs on our head. He knows the sands of the sea. He, know, he knows intimate details about us, not to get us in trouble, but because he loves us. And we have to remember that. We'll see that here in a little bit. So we start with the power, the power of God. Number two, let's talk about it should be our worship to God. He says in verse three, but let the righteous be glad. Don't worry about the enemies. Don't be consumed about the battles. Let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yea, let them exceedingly rejoice. Verse four, sing unto God. Sing praises to his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jah, or Jehovah. And rejoice before him. So we rejoice, we praise, we spend time in worship, and he talks about the powerful name of God. It is by the name of God that the world was created. It's by the name of God that we have salvation. It is by the name of Jesus. We come to God in salvation, in prayer. It is by the name of God that he does what he wants to do, and it's by the name of God that we anticipate answered prayer. It is through his name that we have strength, we have victory, we have power. We can overcome Satan. All of these things by the wonderful, powerful name of God, powerful name of Jesus, Jehovah, in this situation. So we worship him, not yet because of his power, but because of who he is, because he is Jehovah, and we worship him. May that be something that drives us back. You know, worship is not just a tradition. I don't just go to church and sing a couple songs and, you know, give in the offering, go home because, well, that's what Christians do. It's what church is supposed to be. We miss out on so many things when we look at worship that way. We miss out at his goodness. We miss out at his mercy in our lives, his grace, his, his desire to change us into his image. And the work he's doing is on purpose in our lives. And we miss that when we make worship a tradition. May worship be from the heart. May we recognize he's going to deal with the situation. This is Jehovah God, the good, great, almighty God. He never changes. He's always the same and he's always good. So as the righteous, we should rejoice and put our trust and joy in him. But you know, he proves a bit of that goodness as we see in the next verse, Psalm 68, verse five. He is a father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. You know, he says in verse five, he just talks about, he fills in the needs in situations where people don't have. He's the father of the fatherless. Years ago in college, I was sitting in a, in a um, class and our, minute, and our professor was communicating to us just talking, we're talking about prayer. It was really just more of a practical conversation, really. And he mentioned how some people battle with calling God Father. They struggle with making him the more intimate relationship. And, and he made a convention. He said that he himself did not really have a good father figure growing up. 
And so he does, you know, he doesn't call him the Lord Father because he's trying to compare him to his dad. That would be the opposite. He calls him Father, he says, because God had replaced his absent father as a father, as that personal one that loves him, that wants to walk through the battles with him, that's got his back, that is just always there. He can be that. If you're you know, a widow who's missing out on all the things that are needed when the, when the husband's gone, when a, with a person who is missing out on a father or maybe even a mother or just there's, there's things in our life that we just wish we had and we can't seem to get a friend. These type of things. This is who God desires to be, and David said that. He's all-powerful over our circumstances and our enemies. He's one to worship because he is Jehovah. But his personal nature is what makes it so amazing. It's one of the many things that makes him so unique that no other, I've got to be careful saying religious God, because all the other religious gods are fake. Some of them were alive, and so they worship, but they're not God. None of them died, rose again, and are living today as someone that wants to be a friend and a father. There's just nothing else like this. And this is the God of the Bible. This is our God, Jehovah God, Elohim Adonai. This is that God that we worship. And may we find strength in that. May we find worship in it. May we find comfort in that. And maybe realize that whatever it is that we feel like we're missing right now, that's what he desires to be. So many times we can look at worship and we can look at our relationship with God as if I'm good enough, God will love me. If I'm doing enough, God will love me. And it's about me doing for God. And we forget that no matter who we are, what we've done or what we're currently doing, God loves us no matter what because of he created us and then he saved us and he died on the cross for us and he loves us no matter what. That is what we hold on to. So that Satan cannot bring these lies into our minds that make us struggle in our relationship because of things that we believe and may we not be driven to believe those things. May we find our strength, encouragement, and help. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you've been going through for a while or what may hit you this weekend or next week, but may these words, may these truths from the Psalm from the Psalm 60, the Psalm of David, but the thing that encourages you that he's, he's more than just always there. He's always there. He loves you and he desires to be that strength in whatever you're going through right now. Thank you so much for the opportunity you've given me to be part of your day today. I hope it inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it's a strength and encouragement to you. And may we always let the Word of God be that thing that guides us, that lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Again, we'd invite you to join us Sunday morning in person at 10 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the evening, and then online at bensalembaptist.org or at our Facebook page, YouTube channel. Uh, we're so glad you're with us today. We look forward to seeing you again next time.